following is a message from Living Waters Church in Elk River, Minnesota. For more information, visit livingwatersmn.org. We are uh, in a series called My Secret Life, and last week... um, Jonathan and Amy Clausen were here. John brought a really powerful word about offense and about the way that offense is a trap for the offended, not the offender. (laughs) That was good information uh, to have. And I believe that it's just part of, again, uh, you know, we just asked him to bring the word that was on his heart. And it's part of kind of how we started off the year with our Vision Sunday on December 31st, with the verse out of Hebrews 12, let us throw off every encumbrance and sin that so easily entangles us and let us run with endurance the race set before us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning the shame and sat down at the right hand of God. And that's been a a verse that we feel like has kind of been a focus, this this, uh, running the race with endurance. But I feel like we're in a bit bit of a season where he is helping us throw off the encumbrances so that we can run well. And we are, one of the encumbrances we threw, threw off last week was offense, that we don't want to run with offense. I believe that the Lord is lightening our load. And I believe he's dealing not only with sin, which seems like, you know, sin, but, but he's dealing with anything that hinders us in running the race. Anything that separates us from the power that he's given us to walk out what he's called us to do, to pursue him. And so, you know, we might say, you know, is it sin to carry a bowling ball while you run? No, but it's dumb. And so there's some things that we're carrying that are just dumb, that don't help us in the race that we're running. And so one of those, those things we talked about is offense. But I feel like even this, this concept of our secret life is a time for us to kind of uh, examine. Here's the thing. A lot of times when we want to change our run, we focus on how we look when we're running. We focus on the outward. We look at the beginning of the year. How many of us go, okay, I'm going to change this. Okay, I'm going to change that. I'm going to do this differently. And we focus on all of the outside things. But the reality is that nothing changes on the outside until something changes on the inside. That the invitation of the Lord is to grow from the inside out. This is the way of things. And it just seems like that's kind of why he has us focusing on this secret life part. Pastor Bob opened the series a couple of weeks ago and did such an awesome job of kicking it off. And he talked about and began to explore this godly kingdom principle of hiddenness. That there is a godly principle of hiddenness that anything that is hidden will grow. And he talked primarily about the good aspects of that, that we sometimes want to do our good works out in the open where everyone can see them, 
And sometimes we even say, well, I'm, I'm just being a good witness. It's, it, doesn't that bring God glory? And yes, it does. But that there is a principle that says your outside life can never be bigger than your inside life. Your public life can never be bigger than your private life. It can never, be, it can never go beyond it. We know this to be true because of how God created trees. What happens to a tree when its outside life, its branches, its leaves, span bigger than its inside hidden life? It falls over, thank you very much. I know some of you right now are thinking of a few trees that don't fall over, but I just can you just go with me? For the most part, the, the hidden parts of a tree are as large, if not larger, than the parts of the tree that we don't see. And so we can become so obsessed when, with the seen things in our life. And the Lord is inviting us into cultivating the unseen things for the sake of that. And so this is the invitation that Pastor Bob gave about being able to keep a secret with the Lord, being able to have a secret place with him that isn't out there for everybody to see. I value transparency. I think transparency is important. But you know, there are some things that are just for me and Jesus. There are some things that I don't have to tell you everything that he told me. If I am your friend, and I always told everyone everything you told me, would I be your friend for very long? No. Would you tell me things that were special to you, that were important to you, if you knew that I was just going to tell everybody what you were telling me. Now, obviously, there's a place where we're meant to share the gospel. We're meant to share the love of Christ. But do you understand what I'm talking about, the nuance that I'm talking about? That there are things that the Lord wants to cultivate in the secret place, and we become so quick to want to get it out there in the open that it loses the life that it's meant to carry for us. And so this is what Pastor Bob talked about was this secret life that we have that's entirely countercultural. It's entirely countercultural, but not just in the world. We can look at, oh yeah, the world, they're always putting everything out there. Ah. It's not just in the world. There is a place in us, in the church, that feels like we need bigger crowds. We need more visibility. We need to have things out there. We need to, and, and again, we do what the Lord asks us to do. I've had a prayer in my heart for about a year and a half. And the prayer was this, I will be as visible or as invisible as you want me to be. I will be as visible or invisible as you want me to be. Because honestly, I really don't love either of those things. I really don't love to be incredibly visible, but I really don't want to be invisible. But there was something in me that went, I'll be as visible or invisible as you want me to be. And that's our heart as a church. But we can sometimes, the, the, in churchdom, we can feel like we need to be more platformed and more public and have more public acknowledgement and we want to get it out there, you know, oh, this is happening and that's happening. And like, if it didn't get posted, did it even happen? <laughs> like, it doesn't have any effect. 
If it's not seen, and oh my gosh, it, was only, it only has 21 views, then it really had no effect. Do you know when we first started doing live stream, there'd be this thing where you'd go and look and go like, how many people saw the live stream? And there'd be a part of you like, oh, what we do on Sunday could be so much more effective. No offense to any of you, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, no, because there's something happening in the spirit. There's something happening in the hidden place. Do you know it doesn't matter really how many people see our live stream of worship because there's something more effective that's happening in the secret place, right? Now, that said, we love that you're watching us on live stream. We love that it allows our church family and to be part of church when they can't be here. We love that it gives people outside that have never been to Living Waters that they can kind of peek in and go peek in the window and say, hey, maybe I want to go there. We love that. But we need to recognize that we need to have a value for the unseen things. Do you know Jesus was never saying to the disciples, hey, could we get a little more crowd here, please? Like, do you think we could set up in a busier area? Or, hey, do you, could you bring a few friends? Like, I haven't seen you bring one friend. No. Jesus wasn't doing that. Jesus was frequently running from crowds. He was frequently finding a secret place to be in. He wasn't chasing crowds. He went away to be by himself in secret before the sun was up. Why? Did he have social anxiety? Was he an introvert? No. He knew that his life as a human could never be bigger on the outside than it was on the inside. It could never be bigger in public than it was in private with the Father. And why would we think that we're any different than this model that he gave us? Our public life can never be bigger than our secret life. Another way to look at it is a tractor trailer, like a um, semi, that's pulling a trailer the, the load that you're pulling can never go faster than the engine that's pulling it. What do they call that when that happens? Jackknife. It's bad. And this, this is what can happen when, when somebody takes on a, a public platform or we begin to carry something publicly that we haven't fostered privately. And the load begins to outrun the power of the engine. It's dangerous. And so we want to make sure that we're fostering this secret place life. You know, our public culture as a church, sometimes people come and they visit and, and they go, I like the way it feels here. There's certain things about the culture that feel good and but we need to recognize it doesn't have to do with what we publish. It doesn't have to do with what we say, these are our values. It doesn't have to do with, with the mission statement we put out or, or even what happens here. It has to do with what happens in private. That culture is actually fostered in our individual relationships. That culture is fostered. The worship team, you know, the most important thing that they do is not what they do in front of you. 
It's what the culture is when they're not in front of you, when they're working together as a team. Because their inner life as a team can never be bigger than their outer life. Matthew 6, 1, it says, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets. I have a feeling when he was saying that, there were some hypocrites standing there. <laughs> I think it's funny that I think there aren't any standing here right now. I'm the only one standing, just saying. <laughs> that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you that they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, don't even let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the kingdom principle of hiddenness. When you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners where they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you that they've received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father, who's where? In secret. And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. I find myself asking, does anyone do anything in secret anymore? And then I went, yeah, the bad stuff. <laughs> and this is what I feel like the Lord is addressing with us. <laughs> I believe that he is raising up a generation that has nothing to hide that there is a purity that he is going after in this generation that's on the earth right now, this generation of believers, this generation that is meant to bring change to things like abortion, this generation that's meant to see people set free into the loving reality of God's way of things, that he is raising a generation up that has nothing to hide. But we can have this mentality because Scripture says, confess your sin one to another and hide your righteous deeds. But we tend to make our deeds public and hide those places that we're stumbling, those places that we're troubled. What if, what if we posted our sins? Yeah, I do. Yeah, my husband does. My husband is the most transparent person. It's really scary, let me just say. Because sometimes he's transparent on my behalf. But we're working through it. He helps me live with nothing hidden. But I have to get to this joke that I wrote. If we posted our sins, it would be called Sinstagram. <laughs> okay. I know that's so bad. And I am not 
I am not saying that because the, what scripture says is confess your sins one to another. I thought this word was going to be a lot heavier. I'm not sure if this is the way I want to play it. But anyway, <laughs> confess your sins one to another. It doesn't say, you know, just put it out there so that you feel better. It says have trusted people in your life that know who you are in Christ, that will call you up into the place that you're meant to be walking. Who, When you say, oh, this is what I'm struggling with. I screwed up. I did this. They can go, ah, oh, that's not who you are. And they will restore you. They won't go, oh, that's okay. God still loves you. They will restore you to the place that you're meant to walk. They will pray with you. They will hold you accountable. But more than anything, they'll remind you that is not who you are. So we need to have relationships where we can be honest, where we can live with that kind of integrity. But I believe that where that starts is that we can be honest in the secret place. It will be very difficult with me, it'll be very difficult for me to walk with nothing hidden with other, other people in my life if I can't walk with nothing hidden before God. Sometimes the deterrent for us to get into the secret place is that we kind of hope we can fix this little thing we're having trouble with before we come to him. And again, it doesn't have to be sin, but you know what? Lots of times it is sin. Lots of times it is things that, that we continue to go back to and we struggle with, and, and, but it, it can be anything. It can be things that hinder us from really truly following. But sometimes we're afraid that he's going to see it. But the reality is we're meant to live with nothing hidden before God. That doesn't mean we're meant to live with nothing to hide. Do you know what I, does, do, you, do you see the difference there? There are going to be times when we're going to feel like, oh, I have to bring this to him. Or we feel like, I don't want to go to him because I have this thing. Genesis, do you know... To me, Genesis is like one of the most important parts of the gospel. The good parts of Genesis. That's like the first two chapters mostly. Because it tells us what it's meant to be. It doesn't tell us what has been lost forever. It tells us what God established, how it was meant to be, and what was restored. In fact, it's even better than that in Christ. And so we get to look at Genesis and judge Adam and Eve. No, we get to look at Genesis and go, this is the way that God meant for us to interact with God and with one another. And so we know, you, most of you would know the story that, that he said, just this one tree, you can have all the other trees, just not this one, and that's the one they ate from. They believed the lie that there was something more. Do you know why this morning when we sing something like there's nothing we want more is an act of worship? Because it goes back to Genesis. Yeah. 
It goes back to making a choice that says there's nothing I want more than you. The doorway to sin is there's something else that can satisfy me. There's something else I need beside what you've given me. I, I can find satisfaction and wholeness in something else besides you. That's the doorway to sin. That's why there's nothing I want more is such a powerful statement. So where are we, Genesis? We're meant to live before the Lord naked and unashamed. We're meant to live before the Lord with nothing hidden, to be fully seen and fully known, and in that, to be fully loved. Do you know how easy it is in a relationship with somebody when, when they say, oh, I just love you, you're just the greatest person, I love you so much. But if you have hidden stuff, there's no entry point for that love because you go, yeah, but if you knew, if you knew this, here's the deal, he knows and he set his love on you. And so we want to come into the secret place, not hiding from God. We were going to read in Genesis. Hmm, chapter 3. So they ate the fruit, and then in verse 7 it says, Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering <clears throat> then they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day as he had done every day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. We can come into this place of hiddenness because when we have stepped into sin, we begin to see ourselves differently. When we believe the lie... Instead of the truth, we begin to see ourselves differently. Do you know what was interesting to me when I read this? Because I've read this a hundred times or more. Do you know who didn't see anything differently? God. Do you know whose perspective didn't change? God's. He didn't, he didn't look at them and go, Oh, ugh, I can't even look at you now. He didn't do that. What changed the most in this story is how they saw themselves and how they saw God. That is what sin does. It doesn't change God's love for you. It doesn't change what he saw. He didn't go, oh my gosh, you're naked. That was in them. To the same degree that then he, he knew, he knew he knew. He wasn't like, where are you, Adam? <laughs> but you know what that was? That was the invitation to him. That was him saying, you don't have to hide from me. I came to meet with you. I came to be with you because that's my desire. You had a different desire. You chose a different desire. But my desire is to be with you. But sin changed the way they saw themselves and the way they saw him. They had never once hidden from him. 
And so the invitation today is that we would not hide from him. That instead we would hide in him. In Colossians, it says, Set your mind on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden in Christ, with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Therefore, in this way. Then it goes on to say, Therefore, put off sin. Do you know what we do? We focus on put off sin. He's not saying, put off sin and then you can have this. He says, you have been hidden in Christ, with Christ, in God. And because of this, you can put off sin. So this is the invitation to come into the secret place today. That we would hide in him, not hide from him. That we would hear the heart of the Lord saying, where are you? Do you know that our time in the secret place with God is as much for him as it is for you? Do you know one of the deterrents of spending time with him is like, I don't know, I'm just not getting a lot out of it. I feel bored. I feel distracted. I feel, so what? He wants to be with you. Our time in the secret place isn't just for you. Our time in the secret place. Do you, and here's the other thing. Do you know when I haven't really had time with my husband, we live together, we sleep right next to each other, we work here at the church, we do so much together, but there's like, you know, real time where we are just really connecting to one another. Do you know what, what never really blesses him is if I go, honey, I really want to spend more time with you, I feel guilty. <laughs> Well, that does it for me. Yeah. No, I, I long for time with him because I miss him. I miss you, especially this week. Yeah. I long for time, not because I feel, oh my gosh, I should, like, like we go, oh, I should have fed the dog. Like, no, it's, I long for time with him. And that's our relationship with the secret place with God, that we would come into that place and we would say, not like, oh, I, haven't spent, I, sh I should be spending. No, that there would be this place of desire that goes, I miss him. And if you don't have that sense of, I miss him, then how about this? He misses you. He misses you. The whole point of everything that he established, of, of what he did in creation and then planting a garden was because he wanted to be with them. And then they made another choice and it set things off for centuries and centuries. And then Jesus, because he misses you, because he wants that oneness with you. And then we go, oh, I can't come into the secret place because I have sin. That's the point. Come into the light. We're meant to love the light. That's where he works. Bring that into the light. That's where he can work. Do you know where he doesn't work? In darkness. 
That's not where he works. That's where the enemy works. That's where the enemy tells lies and tells you you're disqualified and that you're not spending enough time with God and that, that you just need to work on how you look on the outside. And... But we're made to love the light, the white-hot light of his love in the secret place. That's the invitation. So, Lord, we thank you that you are inviting us both to be hidden and to come out of hiding. <laughs> You're inviting us to have a secret life with you that lives with nothing hidden before you. God, we thank you that you are inviting us to let all the things that have hindered love in our life to become just part of the story. <laughs> I love that line. It's just part of the story of how it's part of the song of redemption that we're singing. So Lord, I pray that there would be an anointing on our secret life in this season. I thank you that we aren't going to the secret place to try to find you. We're actually just going there to be with you because your word says you're already there. So we choose to come to the secret place throughout this week we ask that you'd show each person what that looks like for them. And we come there with expectation of meeting you, of meeting your love. That we can bring our stuff and you will set us free. We thank you, Lord. We thank you for the invitation of your heart that's never changed to come closer. And we say yes in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. To learn more about us, please visit livingwatersmn.org.